The EU is currently in talks with India about trade, and part of that discussion centres on intellectual property. And an editorial on bmj.com sets out worries that this may interrupt the supply of generic drugs to the third world, as patents are strengthened. Patents aren't a new idea. As early as 500 BC, in the ancient city of Sybaris, encouragement was held out to all who should discover any new refinement in luxury, the profits arising from which were secured to the inventor by patent for the space of a year. If we fast forward to the 1970 India Patent Act, it fitted in with much patent law, except when it came to the patenting of novel pharmaceuticals. It was designed to expand access to medicine. They actually granted patents on processes used to make medicines, but not on the product itself, and that allowed different companies to try and manufacture the same drug, create more competition. It, uh, as a consequence, India became essentially the most important source of inexpensive generic drugs uh, throughout the whole world. $10 billion worth of generics at the last count. That's James Love, Director of Knowledge Ecology International and author of the BMJ editorial. The patenting of the process as opposed to the final drug is important. It allows the creation of generic drugs within a much shorter time than in other countries, meaning novel pharmaceuticals are available for much less money much more quickly. The right to reverse engineer drugs to make generics stayed in Indian law until 2005, when India joined the World Trade Organization. As a condition of their entry, India was required to tighten up its laws on patents, including those for pharmaceutical products. In the area of pharmaceuticals, a lot of times what will happen is you'll have a, you'll have a drug, an agent, and then uh, there may be a, a combination product, there, there may be a different delivery mechanism, there may be something that uh, allows it to be stored differently or a coating on the, on the product. Not important medically, but to extend the effective patent protection. But in the case of India, the Indian government took advantage of some of the flexibilities in the WTO agreement. They, they effectively made it harder to get a patent on some of these smaller changes than they would in Europe and the United States. The agreement of 2005 means that production of generics for new classes of drugs coming through at the moment will be slowed, the effects of which haven't yet manifest. But the story doesn't stop there. There, there are uh, a handful of primarily high-income countries that have introduced special rules that say that just the knowledge that a drug is safe and effective can, can be construed as a, as a type of intellectual property. Europe has been probably the most aggressive, and so for Europe, for new drug approvals, there's now a rule that grants up to 11 years where only uh, the person who has the ownership rights in the clinical evidence that a drug is safe and effective can use it to get a drug approved in a regulatory body. Yeah, so effectively, now, someone who's producing a generic, even if it's chemically identical, would have to do their own trials to prove that it was safe to get into the EU market. That's correct. And the, and the problem with, uh, with that is, is, are three things. One, it's expensive. Number two, it's time-consuming. It take you as much as uh, seven years, five, seven years for some products. And then finally, the third item is that it's, uh, there are ethical problems in doing this because the the Helsinki uh, the Declaration of Helsinki on using human subjects in medical research says you're not supposed to repeat scientific experiments when you when you already know what the answer is. Now, if you put it into effect in India, it would create like a 10-year period where there would be uh, no way that a generic drug company could effectively 
sell a generic drug in India. If you can't sell a drug in India, then the other countries are just too small to induce a generic manufacturer to enter. All of this sort of reverse engineering and things that comes into making an acceptable quality of a generic product. That's why India is so important. The, the, the majority of the world's problems related to lack of essential medicines can basically be resolved by making available generic medicines of good quality. Hans Hoggersel, Director of the Essential Medicine and Pharmaceutical Policy Unit at the World Health Organization. There's a small proportion of diseases that really needs new medicines which are still under patent, and I talk especially about HIV AIDS. So, um, you, if you can, you can basically say no AIDS treatment in Africa without generic medicine from India. And that's just an example. We can think of many other um, areas like antibiotics and many, many other essential medicines are being produced in India. Is there worry at the WHO in your department that the change in the intellectual property that has been kind of discussed between the EU and India at the moment might affect the supply of these generics in the future? If, as in this case, the data exclusivity period to be negotiated is so that it actually uh, stretches beyond the patent period, it basically means that the generic company, even when the patent is finished, cannot produce a drug because the regulator cannot use the clinical data from the originator application. That when, because we talk uh, specifically about AIDS, let's face it, that is a big category of patients where the medicines are expensive. And to give you an, an idea, an off-patent first-line combination treatment for AIDS is now available for anything between 80 and $100 per patient per year. When we go for second-liners, some of them are still branded products on or off patent, we talk between three and $600 per patient per year. And if we go for the ones which are really under patent, and then it can be anywhere between $1,000 and $3,000 per patient per year. So we talk about medicines. The choice of being on patent or not basically means between, say, three and six times the price. So with the same money, you can, you, can, you can treat between three and six times as many patients. But also, the new WHO clinical guidelines basically tell you that more people need to be treated earlier. It's at least going to double the number of people that need treatment. And you should also realize that currently, I think globally, only half of the AIDS patients in the world that need treatment actually get it. So making sure that you don't pay three to six times too much for your essential drugs is really vital to keep people alive. A fairly unequivocal message from Dr. Hoggersill there. And James Love echoes his sentiments. Creating monopolies in developing countries for uh, high-priced drugs, it just means those people don't get them for a generation. I mean, it's, it's a pretty harsh outcome. So um, if, if you push too hard in the developing world um, and you raise the price of drugs too much, what you're really doing is you're, you're making a judgment about the right of people who live in drugs to have uh, the freedom to use medicines to treat illnesses which are really uh, life-threatening in a lot of cases. You mentioned, you know, $10 billion a year or something like that. I mean, it's, it sounds like a lot of money, but if you look at the overall pharmaceutical market, it's bigger than $800 billion. It's, it's much bigger than that. It's a drop in the bucket relative to the overall size. There are, there, there are some drugs that by themselves generate more than $10 billion a year, like Lipitor. I mean, just for one branded drug. So, the amount of money that's spent on generic drugs in developing countries, it may seem you know, like a big number in some respects, but it's not very big compared to the overall size of the market. At the moment, the EU has the world's largest economy and it has an enormous development budget, providing around 60% of total global development aid. 
aid which goes to buy the generics from India. So it seems a case of the left hand not knowing what the right hand is doing. So when we now look at this draft uh, uh, free trade agreement between the EC and, uh, and India, the first problem is that there is quite a lot of secrecy about it. Nobody has seen the draft. Definitely not officially. It has not been open for consultation. So there is something secretive about it, and that's not good. And secondly, uh, I would like to just observe that the European uh, Community or the European Union or Commission, in, in this, uh, let me say, area between trade and health or trade and global public health, sort of has two different faces. The, those directors, directorates in the, in the European Commission that deal with development aid or with medicine are very clear. They say we, we need cheap medicines, generic policies. That's the only way to get treatment to the people that need it. But the trade directories in the EC, they have nothing to do with public health. And they basically promote EC industrial policy. And these are the two faces of the EC that at this particular moment don't give the same message. I think that there's a, an assumption that because their, their country is involved in the exporting of medicines and, and the research and development phase of medicine, that somehow uh, promoting an anti-consumer regime throughout the world is somehow in their self-interest and may protect incomes or jobs back in the home front. It's, it's not really obvious that promoting these high IPR norms are really a good idea in terms of the long-run uh, sustainability of the healthcare systems in the Euro United States and Europe. And some of the things that are happening in India are reforms that you may find at some point you want to implement in Europe in order to address some of the access problems you have in Europe. So in Europe, we may rue this agreement in future. But for India and other developing countries, the consequences could be much more immediate. I'll leave you with Hans Hoggesil from the WHO with their thoughts on the broad public health implications of trade agreements. The negotiations are being done by the Ministry of Trade, the Ministry of Industry, and not necessarily by the Ministry of Health. While in this particular case, I can, I can very well imagine that India, as in the developing industrial nation, uh, has a, 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 a full and justifiable interest in, in stronger intellectual property rights. That's clear. But at the same time, what I would like to, 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 to suggest is that the Indian government also at least considers their important public health role by having the generic medicine and, the, and such a big proportion of global production of generic medicines of good quality for, uh, let me say, essential, essential medicines for, for important diseases like HIV AIDS puts a, a sort of global responsibility on them as well. And in these trade agreements, um, they, they go beyond the trade interest. That's the key point we would like to make. And as a WHO, uh, we would like to uh, always promote and defend uh, public health, global public health and national public health. There's, of course, an interest in India itself to make sure that their uh, current and future AIDS patients will get access to good essential medicines which are not too expensive. But there is, even beyond that, a much bigger public health responsibility towards other developing countries. And I think India, as a global player in this field, should not close its eyes for that aspect of their decisions.